0: Welcome to the Edge of the Wild podcast. Once you start this journey, there is no telling what may happen. There are no safe paths in this part of the world. Remember, you are over the edge of the wild now and in for all sorts of fun wherever you go. hey friends this is shane tucker and i'm really excited to bring to you edge of the wild episode four this little intro is being recorded in one of my absolute favorite locations on planet earth right now it's a little coffee shop not far from my home in delaware ohio called coffeeology so if you're ever coming through the area please do stop in you'll love it it's full of amazing drinks uh really artisan snacks, including vegan options for those of you who might be interested, and uh, lots of items for your home and or personal apparel. It's just a fantastic spot, so it gives me a lot of joy to introduce it to you. But this particular episode of Edge of the Wild is very special. It's an interview with two of my family members, which highlights their story of brokenness and pain. and is culminating in their story of uh, healing, hope, and joy. So, for me, this story really does uh, evidence the hand and heart of God and resonates likely with most of us, if not all of us, at different seasons within our own journey of life where uh, we experience the depths And we hold on or hang out long enough to experience the heights. So, enjoy. Talk to you soon. This is part one of Chad and Carabeth's story. Well, thank you guys so much for being willing to sit down with me a little bit. For those of you guys who are listening in, I've asked my brother-in-law and sister-in-law to share some of their story with us tonight. And I'm sure afterwards many of you will find points of resonance um, as you listen and uh, we'll also be encouraged and find some hope for your own story. So Chad, Karabeth, uh whoever would like to start, just wanted to ask, how did you two meet?
1: Well, we officially met in middle school and then Kerbeth went to a different school and then came back for the later years of high school. Did I get that right? You went to? Yeah. Marinassa.
2: Yep, then came back and we went to high school together. And um, we uh, actually met again after high school through a mutual friend. Um, and that's when we actually started dating um, when we were about 19 years old. And, um, you know, quickly fell. For each other there when we were 19 as much as you can when you're 19 and uh, I think it was about 20 when um, I actually found out that I was pregnant and um, that kind of took a turn in our relationship um, where we you know things kind of got serious there after that Um, because we weren't married there yet. So coming from a Christian background, my parents being kind of upset about that one. Um, So we found ourselves pregnant and uh, decided that we would then get married at the age of 21. Um, That was three months after having our first child
0: that's a young age to get married, but I can't say too much because I was the same age. Yeah. <laughs> when, uh, when I married your sister, so, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Cool. So, you met at what age again? S- I think, I think it was...
2: Officially I, met in uh, middle school, so, you know, okay, when we were so young, 13 or so, but then uh, started getting to know each other about 19. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, 19. Great. So, you guys have, have known each other for quite a while. That's yes. awesome. Yeah. That's
1: we good. both dated other people and... High school but still had the same group of friends Mutual friends. yeah had a lot of mutual friends and kind of hang hung out with the same crowds but never you know I think we were both preoccupied with other things in our life so yeah
0: so you you, you got connected started dating you ended up having a child together mm-hmm. and then were quickly married after that quickly. yeah Sweet, yes I
1: remember telling people all the time uh, at work uh, I would tell people you know, we got got married and had a baby and bought a house and a three month window
2: yeah
0: that's <laughs> yeah, true it's a lot a lot to happen in a short period of time yeah. yeah. so what were those early years of marriage like for you guys feel free both or either to, for you to share
2: yeah uh, when we first got married you know we became parents at the same time so quickly we're getting to know each other on the basis of being together all the time, being married and having a baby. So a lot of stress on the marriage to begin with. And uh, I think we were also, like we said, we're pretty young. So we were still in the age of partying and uh, hanging out with friends a lot, going out a lot, uh, partying a lot while still having... A child um and so therefore you know we would that that kind of was the the foundation of our uh marriage at the beginning was going out and partying a lot
1: yeah i mean if we look back you know the foundation of our relationship to begin with was not based on anything good really at all. You know, I mean obviously getting pregnant um, you know, before getting married and a lot of partying, a lot of uh, drinking and just uh, totally not focused on God in, what, in any way, shape, or form.
0: So, I mean, you, you mentioned Beth that you came from a, a Christian family and I guess I've, since I've been in it for almost 25 years I do have some idea what that was when I first met you you were like 6 I think Yeah. but at this point in your life how, was, how did you honestly view you know your family who you know are Christians you I'm guessing thinking the same of yourself but how did you, how did you view your relationship with the rest of the family at this point in your life
2: um i think that i definitely have always had a pretty good relationship with my family but i kind of kept them at a distance you know knowing that you know i was off you know doing those kind of things like partying and all that i knew that my parents didn't really um didn't really approve i guess so you know i always kept my family at a distance and Uh, going back to what you were saying with uh, growing up in the Christian family, I I did always uh, view myself as a Christian, but then I kind of put God on the back burner, I'd say when, I don't know, around age of 16 I kind of started partying there and here and there and putting God on that back burner like I said, and um, when it comes to Chad, he he grew up in the church a little bit, but not really. So he he didn't have that same mm. um, upbringing and kind of he believed in God, but didn't ever have that relationship.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. Chad, so what was your family like growing up?
1: Growing up was, you know, like Carabeth had mentioned when it comes to or when it went to church. I remember going to church and Sunday school and whatnot um, at a Baptist church here locally, and we I can say that we you know we didn't go enough. My my, my dad and and mom um, didn't make it a priority to always have us in church for you know for for you know valid reasons. I mean my my dad um, pretty much worked a lot. I mean he, he's always worked seven days a week um, working you know working nights at his full-time job and then uh, also running a business for a while, had his own business and then also somehow coaching me and whatever sport I wanted to play and so you know church just wasn't a priority and I'm not saying that you know being in church is the only pathway to your relationship with God, but it definitely is something that helps out a lot. Um, but you know, if somebody would have asked me if I believed in God, I or you know, I feel feel like I was filling out questionnaires or something for in school or um, wherever, and the question would be, are you your religion? And I would would always check the Christian box, but um, like Carbeth mentioned, not having that relationship with God, uh, lacking that relationship, it was, um, I think, uh, led to many bad decisions later in life when I was finally out of the house and um, not having that foundation to base my decisions off of and just kind of doing whatever Whatever my group of friends at the time wanted to do, um, kind of, you know, didn't help the situation.
0: Right. No. Uh, you know, and I, I resonate with a lot of that myself from my own family history. You know, growing up in a um, in the home that I did. So, so you guys are are newly married. You have a child at this point. Early on, you've just bought a house still kind of living the life you were before you were married, I guess, you know, uh, as you said, partying and Mm -hmm. burning a candle, maybe, at both ends, trying to work as well. And and, uh, since I know your story, I suppose I could throw this question out there, but uh, when did you, and maybe each of you can answer this individually, when did you uh, feel, looking back, that the cracks began to show?
1: I think the cracks really began to show in our marriage in particular when we had kind of that whirlwind uh, of the, of big life events happen within such a short window yeah, and you know getting married and having a baby and you know moving in together and and all this all the all those things i mean it uh it, it definitely puts a lot of stress and, you know, the key component there is, you know, neither one of us focused on on God in and, and really any way, shape or form. And um, I mean, so when it comes to just the the stress of me, me working throughout the day uh, Carabeth being at home with you know a, a new a newborn baby and trying to raise a baby at, you know at an early age, you know she wanted to just kind of get away, and you know in the evenings or on the weekends and you know I just remember playing the game of you know trying to line up a babysitter for the weekend just so we could go out and and party I think to. You know, me personally, it was definitely to just kind of numb the stress of of life. You know, of, of going through the motions of working and um, you know having a having a little one and not having a fulfilling you know fulfilling marriage. Um, and and you know, and I I might be saying this uh, multiple times here, but you know. That whole season of my life before um, before I came to know Jesus was just me constantly searching for things that are gonna try and make me happy or numb the pain. And so whether it's you know alcohol or uh, sex or you know just relationships and or whether it's work. Um, just competition. I mean, there's you know, a variety of things, but um, from my perspective, the cracks really started to shine through when the stresses of life. When we went through all those, all those major life events, not focused on God.
0: Yeah. Oh, thanks for sharing that. I can. I can relate. in <laughs> yeah. A lot of ways. So, Carabeth, what about you? When did you first kind of? looking back now, begin to see the cracks showing yeah. in, in marriage or relationship.
2: Yeah, I would agree with Chad. I, um, We also, after the age of 21, having a son, two years later had our second son. So that was a lot thrown on, on us all mm-hmm. at once. Mm-hmm. Um, so having both boys real young, not really being able to I don't know if you know when you're young you kind of have some things you think you want to do and then you know it kind of was laid out for us having two kids getting married Um, so those were our choices that we made that kind of led to the path that we you know went down Um, so having the stresses of life and then not putting God first really you know we just we're trying to live life the way we wanted to live life. And when the stresses got to us, we kind of pushed each other away and uh, tried to escape, like he said, and tried to escape in our own ways. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's when, you know, things really started to get out of hand, I'd say.
0: Okay. So this might be a little bit more difficult question. Um, Somewhat very, well, very introspective for both of you. But for both of you individually, what was going on in your heart in those darkest moments? Um, you know when things weren't going well for you personally, maybe even collectively as a couple. You know what was what was going on inside your head, your hearts. What would you say?
1: I mean, I know definitely for me, like I like I'd already mentioned, I was trying to just, you know, numb the pain, and inside my heart, I was just trying one thing after the next after the next to find fulfillment and happiness. And when partying didn't work, or or I moved on to, you know, sex, or when, you know, sex didn't work and move on to competing at work or um just not a bunch of unhealthy things and um yeah, I mean that's I guess the best I can describe it was just kind of the the longing for that sense of fulfillment and not looking for pleasure and other things. Is really, you know, yeah. What was what was going on?
0: It sounds like you just kind of bounced from one thing to the next when yeah. it wasn't kind of satiating a yeah. desire for whatever the things right. couldn't fill. I guess mm-hmm. it like. Okay, thanks, Chad. Oh, what about you, Karen Beth? What what was going on? As best as you can tell, now looking back, what was going on in your head and your heart in those darkest moments? Uh, kind of the process or the thinking, maybe what was going on.
2: Yeah. Um it's a hard question but I would you know looking back I know that um you know when we were pushing each other away I think we were just like I said just escaping each other and escaping the stresses of life you know and we would you know sometimes drink or you know go out with other friends and all that I think that I was trying to push away just the realities of life, and also, um, you know, I knew deep down from growing up in a Christian household, you know, deep down, you know, some of the things that you're doing are wrong, um, but you just kind of keep pushing that down inside so that you don't think about it, Mm. but really, in my head and in my heart, I was not at peace and that's a that's a big thing that you I think a lot of people struggle with when they aren't on the right track with God Mm. or not in the place they want to be with God they don't have that peace that they long for Mm. and that so many people desire so you know I was I was pushing all that away but I knew deep down that I you know needed that Mm. needed that peace Mm.
0: Well oh, thank you so this was a, a a difficult time a dark time, but it's not the end of the story um so we have a little bit more here what Where did all of this lead to like what was the kind of result i guess of where you both at internally in your lives and how that impacted your relationship
1: well we we both you know something that I thought of when when she was talking is when you know I think. The whole incrementalism comes in, where mm-hmm. you know you, you you make a decision, and it might be a bad decision, bad or good decision. But particularly with the bad decisions that you know we both were making, and when you string together small bad decision after small bad decision, eventually you get to a place where you're just completely lost, and that next bad decision uh, after you've made a hundred of them looks pretty ugly if you take a step back and look at it. And so we both found ourselves, you know, I, I was, you know, it had been partying out of control um, and had formed a, an addiction to pain pills. And I was, I was hiding that from Carabeth, I was hiding that from everybody. And um, that went on for about a six month process, I was, you know, it was a six month time frame. And the drinking, um, I was kind of always drinking um, from, you know, back in last day of school in eighth grade is when I first had my first drink. But um, it started to spiral out of control for me when I was basically out of money and um, I had. Handled all of our finances and so you know I Carebeth wasn't really aware I mean all of our bills were still paid and everything like that but any extra money was going towards my addiction and I found myself at a place where I was essentially out of money and I believe some truth hit me one day where it was actually a couple days before Thanksgiving um, right around five you know, five years ago when I was sitting on the couch and Karabeth came home from work and, you know, I was I had called off work, uh, as I you know, was out of money, I was getting ready to be sick and boys came running up to me and Brady, my my young son, was wanting me to read him a book and both boys were sitting there on the couch with me and yeah, you know, I couldn't even focus on reading a book. I, my head was just consumed and wrapped around how am I gonna go out and get more drugs and that was a really nasty place to be and I believe right then and there like I I just remember sitting on the couch like man I can't even focus on reading my boys a book you know like what this is not this is not the the dad that I was created to be and like that, that struck a chord in me and um, I remember getting the boys down for a nap and then I, I told Carabeth that, I confessed to her that, that I had a problem and I'd been hiding it from her and uh, I knew I was gonna need help. So. Mm. Mm.
2: Yeah, and uh, at that same time, um, I had been hiding from Chad that I had had an affair so we were both living our secret lives and um you know like he mentioned it was incrementalism where you know one bad decision after another kind of led us both down bad paths separately and we were so far from each other that we didn't even know what the other person was doing and uh yeah we were both hiding our secret lives from each other and um You know right after that day that Chad was talking about he um, that next weekend he went off to uh, rehab for his addiction Mm. so he went down to Florida to uh, get help for his addiction and then um, when he came back is when I told him about what had been going on with me Mm. So I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about the rehab.
0: Yeah. So I mean, tough, tough times because you've you've done a a reveal. Um, sounds like because you were out of options, for places to run or things, you know, ways to hide. I guess still. So, and uh, it was a pretty quick turnaround, if I remember, from revealing that to when you left.
1: Yeah, I. I remember being kicked out of the house after that and I, um, thanks to you Shane, was uh, reaching out to a couple of treatment centers that you had found online and I don't know which one it was on the, on the list but I remember calling and um, the treatment center down in Florida And they said, "Hey, you know, I can we can get you on a plane. How, you know, how soon can you get to the airport?" Type thing, and I said, "Well, you know, I can be there in a couple hours." You know, and I I was concerned with what am I going to have to pay, and this, that, and the other, and just I mean, gave my insurance information, all this stuff, and um, long story short, I remember um, being down in West Palm within a matter of uh, a few hours and uh, I get down there and it wasn't till the the very first morning when I woke up when I was I had woken up for some tests and then after that I couldn't fall back asleep I so I went out out back into kinda the uh, outdoor area the backyard if you will but went out there and I went to like the furthest corner away and just sat down and I was just like I started crying I was like you know I was like where in the world am I at And I just couldn't believe where I was at I, I just was I think I was just kind of in shock and um, you know cause because kind of leading up until then, I had still, you know, tried to kind of wean myself off of the drugs I was taking, and I think I was still a little bit um, high the whole, you know, up until treatment process, but then it was really starting to, you know, I was really starting to come to and come to grips with the, the reality of the situation, and, and i just broke down and i was like man where am i at it's just just all surreal and and i think that was you know uh, a pivotal event because you know i was sitting there and i remember thinking like you know my my decision making got me down down here in florida mm. you know like i had no idea what needed to change in my life at all. Um, I just, I knew that something absolutely had to change for things to get better. And through the, through, you know, a couple days of of being down there, you know, they give you a couple different options of different, you know, pathways you want to go down. One's a Christian pathway. The other is a holistic pathway. And you know, I had told myself like, "Hey, you know, yeah, I'm gonna check the box that you know I'm a bel- I'm a believer in God and I'm a Christian, even though I don't really know what, knew, didn't really know what that looked like, and I'm gonna choose the Christian pathway and then also to you, Shane. You I remember you saying, you know, I, I here's a list of treatment centers, but I really think you know you should go to one that has a has a Christian program, and I was like, sure, sounds good, <laughs> you know." I respect I respect <laughs> Shane and, and your opinion and all that stuff and and I was like you know might as well so I had um, I hadn't missed a class and and I think it was yeah a couple of days in where the first um, I think it was on Thursdays that they had drunk church in their it was their church service there at the treatment center I love and that name by yeah that. <laughs> it was their tagline it was you might have been drunk in church but you would never been to drunk church <laughs> and so we. <laughs> So I remember that here's here's this is when this was this was the event that that got me this was this was me i don't want to say challenging God, but this was me laying it out on the line mm-hmm. god God revealed himself to me and he he proved himself to me when mm-hmm. I was sitting there on my bed, and I was really tired because, like I said, I had been going to every single class possible and um I, everybody else around me is like taking naps and like, you know, they're talking about sleeping for days and this, that, and the other. And I'm just like, I'm like, I'm like, look, if I'm, if somebody's, if my insurance company's paying, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars for this, I'm going to do it. (laughs) And I'm sitting there on my bed and I, I have, I had a headache and I don't really, I don't really get headaches that often, but I had a headache and I'm sitting there on my bed and I'm like, you know what? you know what, God, if you can do anything and then you can heal people and you can all this, that, and the other, I was like, then you can, you can take away my, my headache. That's what you can do. And, and I was like, I'll, I'll go to, I really don't feel like going to this two o'clock juncture service, but (laughs) I'm going to, I was like, I'll, I'll put one foot in front of the other and go to it. And so, so I did. And, you know, walking down the hallway and I walk into to drunk church service and uh, music's playing and people are, you know, lights are dim and people are praising God and in a way that I'd really never seen before and um, you know it it was just a, a powerful worship session mm-hmm. and a powerful service and sermon and you know at the end of it. There was an, you know, there was a uh, option to come up and an altar call, uh, altar call during the last worship song, and I just remember saying, you know what, you know why not? Here I am, and what do I have to lose? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my, give my life to the Lord here in the service, and I'm gonna, you know, check the box on the card to, to get baptized or to to learn about baptism and to um, sign up for baptism a couple weeks out. And so, in that church service, at the end of it, gave my life to Jesus. And as I'm walking out of the service, I realize that my headache is completely gone. And now this might not seem crazy, but the only way that I can get rid of headaches whenever i get them because i don't get them very often. Only way medicine does not help me, none of that. The only way i can get rid of headaches is by going to sleep. That's that's it. And um i was just that what that was for me. That was God revealing himself to me saying, you know, i can do what i, I can i can heal you <laughs> and i am real. And i you know, my way is million times better than yours Mm. and so
0: yeah it doesn't matter what it is that happens in our life Mm. that but there's something that's significant for us where God just makes himself real yeah um, even no matter whether it's yeah you know a sun standing still in the sky oh yeah or a headache disappearing or Mm -hmm. but whatever is significant and meaningful for each one of us and that's that's amazing yeah Uh, one other thing you said just a little bit ago which I thought is really a turning point was when you were sitting in that chair when you first arrived. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people say, you know, uh, we don't really start going up again until we hit rock bottom, you know, because it's at that point we're usually out of options, yep. places to hide and things we can do. I think one of the things that um, allows for change is the fact that at the bottom of that hole is a mirror and we're forced to kind of finally look at ourselves. And accept some reality of who we are and the situation we're in, which then allows for a change to come. And there's probably, if we're honest, many times in our lives. At least I, I've seen that. I've been on this journey um, as a believer now for, you know, um, thirty almost thirty years. But um, there are many times, even even now, where, like I have to be honest enough and vulnerable enough to accept what's really going on Mm
2: -hmm. in my
0: life Mm -hmm. to allow God to rush in and bring Mm -hmm. change. If I'm running, if I'm pretending like it's not there, the change is probably going to come, you know, usually. So that moment you were sitting in that chair, you know, and just kind of realizing where all your decisions got you to, Mm -hmm. sounded like that to me, you know, and you're kind of having to face who I am and where I'm at in order to invite some change, you know, so... Awesome, man. Well, thank you. Did you anything? anything else you want to share about that? Yeah.
1: So kind of wrapping up here with treatment. I ended up getting baptized on December 6th, 2011 at a church down there in Florida. And, um, you know, it was, it was just a great experience and, um, but i mean you're 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 right i mean it, i'm a firm believer that you know until people till the pain gets bad enough till they hit their rock bottom and they're kind of out of options then you know that that's really where they're forced you know in some some cases they're you're forced to listen mm. and um you know cuz like just one thing here i remember growing up and you know always being really scared when I would be riding in a car and looking out the car window and kinda asking myself in my own head like hey you know what would happen if we get in a wreck right now and and I die you know like what that that just the thought of that scared me exponentially and so um, I I just you know would it would encourage anybody that you know I'm sure you can think back to riding in the car when you're a kid if the the thought of dying, you know, really really scares you because you don't know where you're gonna go when, when you die, then you know, I would just encourage you to, um, you know, get plugged into a, a good church and really get to know the Lord and, um, you know, because for me when I'm riding out riding in the car and looking out the window anymore, I'm not scared of death or scared of failure um, because I know that. You know, I know where I'm going when when that day comes. Mm. And but, sorry for going off on tangent. No, but, no, don't apologize. This, but yeah, I good. got baptized in treatment, and got back. Got back home, and I tell you what, man. If if uh, if I would have known what was gonna, you know, what was gonna take place the next few months, probably would have turned around and went right back into treatment. Not not got, not gone home just with the whirlwind of things that that happened um, and something else I want to you know want to help encourage people that you know while I was baptized and I'm seeing life through a new lens and I I have Christ in my heart and I'm you know in the word and I'm in prayer it doesn't ever promise us that it's going to be a cakewalk and it doesn't ever promise us that it's going to be easy that there's not going to be challenges and mountains to climb because there definitely, definitely, definitely are. But if we're willing to take those obstacles and take those challenges and conquer them head on with his help, then, you know, that that's where the growth comes from. And um, But, yeah. But yeah it, it oh, you're w-
0: absolutely right. It's kind of where we're made in the challenge, you know. So, Caribeth, during the time Shao was down at the treatment center, which was like a month, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. 25 yeah. days. Yeah, like what? Where? What was going on with you and the boys?
2: Yeah, um, like I said, when during that time I was kind of living my own secret life. So when he came back, you know, I was trying to decide whether I was going to stay or if I was going to leave, because you know of what was going on with me, but also with Chad, and I didn't know if we could repair our marriage. So when he got back, you know, um, I had told him that I had had an affair, and um, we kind of. You know, went through it all, telling each other all kinds of things and um, trying to see if we are going to stay together. You know, at least that was in my mind. And I did make a decision that I wanted to. And so at that time, you know, we made that decision. We were going to stick it out, try to work through things and go to counseling and do all the things that were going to help our marriage. Um, But at that time, Chad was on the, the page where he wanted to be, you know, this amazing great Christian guy who never does anything wrong. And, you know, he's on that level and I'm still on the, I'm putting God on the back burner level and I'm not ready to be the way Chad was being. So it kind of put a, kind of a, struggle a new struggle in our marriage where um, we weren't able to get on the same page and it was really hard for us to do so so even though we made that decision to stay together Chad was still you know he was on a different page than I was he was you know putting God first and I wasn't
1: yeah I remember something that came to mind I remember sitting in Pastor Dale's office and um, right around that time I think and he was i don't think I don't know if he meant any insinuated anything by this or not, but he was sharing about you know how it talks about being unequally yoked in the in the Bible, and we were definitely you know unequally yoked uh, at that point in time and um, in our marriage and with us as as husband and wife with us as um, you know just believers and I think that that definitely ultimately led to you know kind of our our downfall
2: yeah um so going back to that is we were like we were saying just not on the same page so for i'd say a couple years more we tried
1: i think it was a year and a half we tried going to counseling And
2: yeah, a year and a half or so we went to counseling Mm -hmm. and we tried and tried and gave it our best shot. But, and even though I was trying to work on my relationship with God, it really, I still wasn't putting God first. And, um, you know, we just had so many times where we said, oh, we're going to try it again and we're going to start over. Let's Mm -hmm. start over. Let's start over. And finally it came to a point where I called it quits and I just said, I can't do this anymore. And Mm -hmm. I told Chad that I wanted a divorce, so that was, Mm. um, I'd say, three years ago, yes, three years ago or so, um, we decided to get a divorce and um, call it quits then and there.
0: Mm. So how did that impact you Chad hearing her decision after this time of you guys trying to make it work
1: yeah it was really I mean it was really definitely really really hard one of the I can't really think of anything harder than that I mean it was really tough um, going through a tough time and you know she moved out I want to say it was around September, uh, September October of 2013, mm-hmm. and, um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, all along when, when, you know, when she, from the point in time when she moved out, I was just trying to win her back, win her back, win her back, and really, from my perspective, I mean, obviously, you know, she, you'll admit to you know, not focused on, not being focused on God. And I was claiming I was focused on God, but really I was focused on her and trying to change her and trying to, you know, be her God. And it wasn't until I stepped out of the way where God could actually you know, she could actually hear from God cuz all she was hearing was from me. Mm. And so it wasn't until you know I s- stopped calling, stopped texting, stopped and just let her go. And mm. I remember it was it was um a song that came out. I don't even know who sings it, but and I'm definitely not going to try and sing it, but it was uh talking about just let letting her go and I remember hearing that on the radio and that that kind of became my song for a little while there. I was just like yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, not it really anything. Not really anything I can do if she's choosing to end the marriage and get an attorney and file for divorce then I mean, I don't I don't want to ultimately I don't really want to be um in a marriage with somebody who is fighting so hard to get out of it and that's not a not a fun place to be. And I tried <laughs> I, I I kept I was walking that fine line of telling myself like I'm not a quitter, I'm not giving up, I'm gonna do everything I can to still try and make this work, and um it was just doing the opposite.
0: Mm. But yeah. This was part one of Chat and Carabeth's story come back next episode, episode five, to hear how things have turned out. It's pretty amazing. Look forward to seeing you then. I hope this episode of the Edge of the Wild podcast challenged and inspired you. For more information on this episode, please see our show notes. If you'd like to know more about our sponsoring organization, Soul Friend, and its related services and events, please visit ArtistSoulFriend.com My name is Shane Tucker and the best is yet to come. The quote in the podcast intro is from J.R.R. Tolkien's renowned work, The
2: Hobbit or There and Back Again published in 1937.